0: Welcome back to Conspiracy Club, Um, you know, now new, reinvented, uncensored, all that good stuff. I'm Tom. I'm Ymir. And I feel like we should start out before we get into the juicy deets. We should explain why we are where we are now. We're with a new production company called Anmore Media. And uh, we kind of took our podcast independent because we wanted a little bit more freedom on what we could talk about um and so that's kind of what we're doing now so we, you should see in the future like i said uncensored we're going to talk about more um i don't want to say what's the word i'm looking for
1: adult content
0: adult content so previously we were kind of limited in things we talk about in terms of like cults parental and serial content. killers yeah and that kind of thing and that's all like super interesting stuff that does fit the brand of what we want this to be so we're still going to have I don't want to say PG, but we're no, still gonna yeah, have like the lighthearted. Yeah, we're still gonna have the, yeah. lighthearted episodes and stuff like that. But we want to bring that kind of light humor yeah. as much as we can to more serious and like gruesome and adult themed topics. Yeah,
1: adult content.
0: So that's why we went independent. Yes, now the we show. can like
1: talk about you know fucked up shit, but with a smile at the end of it. <laughs> you know.
0: Uh, I, which is a pretty common thing. There's lots of, I shouldn't say lots of, there's several podcasts that go this there's route. There's a lot where, of fucked up shit in the world. There's several podcasts that go about this <laughs> route, talking about kind of true crime stuff with, with a little bit of humor, like Last Podcast on the Left and uh, My Favorite Murder, were two of my favorite podcasts. that I really enjoy them. So we're going to kind of stick with the same format we have been, for the most part, just introducing new topics and a little bit of new language and hopefully more personality. What so was we, the,
1: what's the second name of those shows again? I, I don't my
0: know. Favorite Murder.
1: Oh, and the other one was podcast on the left.
0: Last podcast on the left.
1: So now you're listening to your last favorite murderer on the right. And yeah. we haven't <laughs>
0: Sorry. That was not good. No. No.
1: Okay, I tried.
0: Um yeah, so hopefully it's it's just more enjoyable. Hopefully we to in- kind of insert ourselves more into the content and talk since we can talk about what we want and we are less pigeonholed. So with that being said, um let's jump into our first episode of the reinvented podcast fifty one. Um, we're talking about the Summerton man.
1: Dramatic pause.
0: And we're back in there. So Amir, do you know anything about the Summerton man? Or just the don't don't tell me, but I just want to know if you okay. what you know going into it. I know the very extreme basics. All right. So on December first, nineteen forty eight, at around six thirty AM. The Glenelg South, which is, Australia has weird names, so it's yeah, G-L-E-N-E-L-G. It's a weird country. i going to call it Glen. Yeah. The Glen South Australian police are contacted after the discovery of a body on Somerton Beach. His body was morbidly relaxed, on his back with his head against the seawall and his feet crossed. An unlit cigarette sat perched on his coat collar. The police searched his pockets for some identification and found an unused rail ticket from Adelaide to Henley Beach an unused bus ticket from somerton an american comb half a pack of juicy fruit gum a pack of army club cigarettes which contains several cigarettes uh, of a different brand that was not army club and a partially used box of matches
1: so he was just a walking sponsorship
0: yes army club well really army club is the only thing everything mm, juicy else- fruit oh yeah that's a good point there it is Half a pack gone, though. Half a pack, though. Which, like, his
1: breath is wild.
0: <laughs> Juicy fruit is disgusting. It is disgusting. It
1: doesn't really help.
0: It's like, I'd rather really chew bark.
1: Mm, I don't know about that.
0: So <laughs> witnesses say they saw the man lying in the same position on November 1st. Was that right? No, November 31st is what mm, that should say. say. November 31st, which was a month earlier. He's still in the same spot. <laughs> he's in the same spot. <laughs> November, November 31st. And a couple who saw him at 7 uh, p.m. that night noted that he was alive at the time. Another couple who saw him from 7.30 to 8 o'clock could not recall a movement that felt as if he had moved. They thought that he might have been drunk or asleep, so the second couple didn't see fit to bother him.
1: Yeah, like everyone else would.
0: Um. Some 11 years later, another witness came forward and said that he and a few of his colleagues saw a well-dressed man carrying on his shoulders uh, along the beach, excuse me, so a well dressed man carrying another man on his shoulders along the beach the night before the body was found. Which it feels <laughs> like, why don't you say something about that?
1: Like on his shoulders, like
0: Yeah, like he's just like just which That's a weird picture. Yeah, like he seems like he'd be like, Well, that's odd. Well anyways, guys, let's go get some bevs. I
1: mean they might be like, Well, you know, they might be like, look, uh might he's drunk over there. It's helping But we're in the outback, so it's fine. <laughs>
0: May I have no idea. It, it struck me as odd. It is odd. So pathologist John uh, Cleland deduced the man was British, 40 to 45 years of age, and in top physical condition. Ooh. The Somerton man was dressed well uh, in a suit and tie, but more notably about his outfit, all the tags had been removed and he had no hat, which was considered unusual for the time.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Uh, as well as no wallet. Okay, that is unusual. And his teeth didn't match any denkle denkle. denkle. <laughs> his teeth. They didn't match any dental records as well as dental records for the time.
1: Ah. So he just had new teeth?
0: Yes. He just ah. bought them. Wooden teeth, actually. Wooden? <laughs> no. <a lot. laughs> uh, an autopsy was conducted and the pathologist determined the time of death to be around one AM on December first. No foreign substances were found, and Dr. Dwyer believed that it was reasonably possible that the man died of natural causes, um, though poison became a prime suspicion. Despite the lack of leads in the Great Shroud of Mystery, the Somerton man was embalmed on December 10th.
1: Wait, they embalmed him? Why?
0: Uh, what do you mean why?
1: Wait, what am I thinking of embalmed? What does that mean?
0: Uh, they, like, preserved his body, so he didn't, like... Oh, so they were just rotting. trying to
1: still research?
0: I don't. They have not buried him yet, but they've embalmed him, so he's preserved.
1: That's okay.
0: Uh, it's just like what you do before you prepare a body, so that, yeah, he stays that. looking and yeah, being so he fresh for yeah. a
1: while. Yeah, he still looks, he looks sexy.
0: Yeah, sure, I guess, yeah. if you're into that. I get it. Over a month later, on the 14th of January, 1949, the staff of the Adelaide Railway Station, for which the man had an unused ticket on his person, discovered a brown suitcase with its label removed which had been checkered... Wow, I can't read.
1: Yeah, you are... Something's wrong with you.
0: (laughs) Well, there's a lot of things wrong with me. Excuse me. Which had been checked into the station cloakroom uh, after 11 a.m. on November 30th. It is believed that the suitcase belonged to the man on the beach. The suitcase contained several articles of clothing, an electrician's screwdriver, a table knife, which was cut down, sharpened scissors, a small square of zinc, conceivably for a protective sheath for the sharp utensils of the case, and a stenciling brush, which was used for third officers on merchant ships for stenciling cargo. Additionally, a thread card of barber brand orange waxed thread, considered unusual due to the lack of availability in Australia, uh, was also found in the case.
1: Well, they said he was a British man, so maybe, you know, he worked on a boat at yeah. some point.
0: The thread uh, was the same used to repair the pocket lining of the man's pants. So, hmm. this, so that's why they're probably reasonably certain that it was his.
1: So he works. He, he knows how to do something with his pockets. He's a good man. He's he's a working man.
0: Uh, Yeah, we'll we'll get into potentially what he might have done. Yeah, he's a good Brit. Uh, All identifying remarks of the case had also been removed, but the police found the name T. Keen on a tie, as well as just Keen on a laundry bag, and then as well uh, are also just the name Keen without the E on the end uh, on a vest that he had in there. Due to the removal of all the other marks, the police believe that these either happened to be overlooked or were left deliberately because "Keen" was not the name of the man. And it's worth noting that it was not unusual for people to remove the tags from clothing um, during this time if they bought them secondhand, since most people mark their clothing. So if you buy them secondhand, you don't want, like,
1: yeah, you don't John want, Brown yeah. to be on
0: there. You're like, oh, I don't, that's not Yeah, his. that's, that's my not name.
1: me anymore. I mean, that's not him.
0: So it's not unusual when you think about it, the time period, but it is kind of unusual that it seems more deliberate than that. Yeah. Um, they expanded their search and found there was no t Keen uh, missing in any English-speaking countries. The only thing that could be determined from the suitcase was that some pieces indicated that the case had been made in the USA. The police looked into oncoming train, excuse me, incoming train records and believed the Somerton man had come from Melbourne, Sydney, or Port Augusta. Another coroner, uh, the one we talked, the pathologist that we talked about uh, first, Thomas Cleland, began only a few days after the body was found. But uh, his, what do you call it when you co- you're you doing a coroner, what's it called? Autopsy? Yeah. Um, he, the autopsy was postponed until Yikes. mid-June of 1949. So, postponed six months after this man's been dead. He's still not been buried, and they're still...
1: Well, maybe World War II was
0: around. No, yeah, it wasn't. It was. Oh, yeah. So maybe they were dealing with that. Actually, it wasn't. This is shortly after World War II. So
1: maybe they were, you know, it takes some time after that. A lot of stuff happened.
0: Yeah. So Cleland, um, once he finally was able to conduct his autopsy, um, found several things not previously noticed. The man's shoes were very clean, much more so than would be expected for someone who had been walking around town all day. He believed this only added to the case that the man was brought to the beach after he had already died. Um, and something that kind of went along with that was that there was a lack of vomit found, and there was not really any evidence of convulsions, which are typically caused by poisoning. And since they kind of still believe that poison was the prime it was the prime suspicion for his death. Following, uh, following the route of poisoning... Cedric Hicks, a professor of physiology and pharmacology at the University of Adelaide, testified about a group of drugs that were very toxic, even in small doses, and would be extraordinarily difficult, if not impossible, to identify, even if it was suspected. He entered the names of the two drugs he believed could have been used into evidence as Exhibit C18. The names of these drugs were not released to the public, though, um, for for at least 40 years, because apparently, at the time of this, those drugs, which were no, noted previously as being extremely hard to identify, if not impossible, as well as very toxic in small doses. And so at the time, those two drugs that were available were readily available to pretty much everybody in the general public.
1: Oh, so that's why they didn't want it, to release it. And then people go like, well, well, well. Yeah. I'm killing Susie tonight. Yeah.
0: They're like, well, I didn't, wasn't going to, but now I know that it's so easy. Yeah. If I, use I mean, this, what's the point? It's impossible to trace drug. I yeah. mean,
1: yeah, or you'd be like, hey, I'm sick of, you know, I'm sick of my husband. Like, I might as well kill him now. It's easy.
0: <laughs> but there was a resounding lack of success with any threads of the case, and a plaster cast of the man's head and shoulders was made. <laughs> Why? I, I don't actually know. Probably just so they could keep looking. It's so they, I don't know, because they had pictures of him, so I don't know what much help having a mold of his body would do because if you have pictures of him you could still be like do you recognize this person well maybe Instead of being they, like look at you, you want to recognize this guy and they're like maybe maybe it'd help if i saw you know a recreation of his shoulders and face and well, maybe like, the oh, perfect we made that
1: maybe like they needed they probably got the stuff in for it, and they're like well we have nothing else to use this for let's use it for this
0: yeah i guess they're like it's this new and fresh.
1: yeah like, like why not i mean hey
0: ain't nothing else going on and so Around the time of the coroner's inquest, a tiny piece of paper with the words "tamam shud" printed on it was found in a pocket sewn into the Somerton man's uh, pants pocket. Officials, uh, excuse me, officials at the public library were able to find the translation to mean "ended" or "finished," and could be found on the last page of the Rubia of Omar Khayyam. The back of the paper was uh, blank, and thus a nationwide search was conducted to find a copy of the Rubia with similar features. Surprisingly, the copy from which the paper had been torn was found. Wow. A man showed police a 1941 copy of the book, which was found on, a, on or near a car. It's kind of uh, fuzzy about where it was located. It was found on or near a car in the town of Adelaide. On the back cover of the book, police were able to note indentations from handwriting. The markings included a telephone number, an unidentified number, and a text consisting of an encrypted message. Cryptographers were shown the message and were unable to give a satisfactory answer due to either un, excuse me, due to either insufficient symbols, which could be um, determined as being meaningless product of a disturbed mind.
1: Oh, so they think a crazy guy. But I think it the out.
0: cryptographers, which are like people that crack codes and yeah. stuff like that, they couldn't figure out what it meant. So they they figured that either it all wasn't there, whatever the message was, wasn't all um, totally there, or it was just because someone was crazy and they just. Did whatever.
1: And they just, like, found a piece and was like, this is it.
0: Yeah. Uh, However, there is some uncertainty about where the book was found, as I mentioned. A newspaper article says the book was found a week or two before the body was found. But Detective Gary Feltis said that it was found just after the man's body was located. Really? Yeah. The phone number was unlisted but was determined to belong to a nurse named Jessica Thompson who lived uh, only about 400 meters from where the body was found.
1: So Jessica might she's a suspect.
0: She was interviewed by police, but claims she had no idea who the man was or why he would have her number.
1: Maybe it was her husband. Does
0: she have a husband in this story? Uh, she does actually. Okay, then we're in. We're making moves. Jessica Thompson also reported that at some time in the late nineteen uh, in late nineteen forty eight, an unidentified man had tried to visit her and asked her next door neighbor about her whereabouts. Oh yikes! Yeah. So Gary Feltes, this lead detective, wrote uh, a book about the case sometime later, and, and uh, remarked that Thompson seemed evasive throughout the interview. Feltus believed that she knew the Summerton man's identity, and then Thompson's own daughter also believed she knew the identity of the Summerton man.
1: Alright, so like, why don't we just lock her up and say, "Look, dog, if you don't tell me who it is, you get in twenty years." I
0: don't think that's how the law system works.
1: Oh, uh, you can lie. They never say you can't lie in cases So I would have sat her down and said look at me Look at me
0: You're getting 20 years We have some more evidence why we think that um, Jessica might know So her daughter Kate claimed that Jessica had told her That her mother had lied to police during the interview Okay
1: so this is like a locked and closed case
0: Kate even believes that her mother and the Somerton man may have both been spies What Kate mentioned that Jessica taught English to migrants and had a noted interest in communism. (laughs) Kate also noted that Jessica, her mother, um, could speak Russian, but would uh, would refuse to say how she had learned it or why she knew it at all. Okay, so this is like a locked and closed. Like, this is an easy one. You'd think. Jessica Thompson continues to be uh, relevant uh, in this case. So in 1949, Jessica Thompson requested that police not keep a permanent record of her name or release her details to third parties. You'd think.
1: I, that's a, I would lie and say, oh, okay, ma'am.
0: Um, and Thompson was shown the plaster cast that was made of, the Somerton man, uh, and could not identify the man, but people present uh, were noted that she was visibly taken aback near to the point of fainting.
1: Oh, come and on. And could not look at it. Come on. This is She's
0: easily in jail. Well, she didn't
1: end up in They're jail. They're lucky I'm not a cop, because I would have just threw her in jail just because.
0: Here's something else for you. How's your name,
1: Jessica, and you live in Australia?
0: Here's something else for you, though. On, Thompson Mike. admitted to owning a copy of the Rubia. Oh, come on. No, she, No, she didn't. But had given her copy to an army lieutenant in 1945, who she did not have any notable contact with following. You go find that man and her. And so for some time, the police believed the lieutenant was the dead man on the beach. But he was found later with a copy of the Rubia still in his possession and the final page intact. Wait, huh? So this lieutenant that she gave the book to, yeah, um, they believe that he might have been the Summerton man yeah. for a while, but he was actually found later, and he still had the copy of the rubia and that final page that Tamam Shud would have been written on was still there.
1: All right, question two: How hard is it to find the rubia? Like the that's what I was wondering. I'd never heard of because it before.
0: It, Maybe it's like a big Australian. It's like a here's something interesting about about it. So it's this Tamam Shud is found in the the pocket. Yeah, uh, the rubia. Is this book of like poems and like messages? Um, This Omar Khayyam guy. And it's all about like this overarching message is about living life to the fullest. Yeah. I have no idea how rare it is. Because if it's not a rare book, that that many people know about it. Maybe it's just like a popular Australian thing.
1: Okay. Because if it's not a rare book, it's a little thing called I could buy another one. Yeah. And then play it off. Like, no, this is the one she gave me.
0: Um, eventually in 1949 The body was buried In a cemetery in Adelaide And years after the burial Flowers began appearing On the grave uh, When police questioned The woman She insisted She knew nothing Of the man Oh god co- It wasn't It wasn't This wasn't Jessica This was somebody else No
1: I'm saying But even if it's somebody else You don't just put Random flowers On a random grave
0: It's like What's that uh, grave We have in um In Washington That's like the The grave of the uh, Unmarked oh, soldier
1: Oh Uh uh uh, uh I, I went there before.
0: Maybe it's like that. Uh,
1: the Arlington or whatever. Yeah,
0: so they just like put flowers on it because like, oh, it's kind of sad. That's different though. They died. Is
1: everybody in this gravesite unmarked or whatever? No. Because everyone, there's a lot of people in Arlington, like there's secretly a private where it's all unmarked, So And so
0: this is, as you mentioned earlier, this is shortly after World War II. And so former South Australian Chief Superintendent Len Brown believed that the man was from a country in the Warsaw Pact which is why his identity was not able to be confirmed. And the South Australian Police Historical Society still have the bust of the man, which contains strands of his hair, but any other attempts to identify him um, have been hindered by the formaldehyde used to embalm him, which also destroyed much of his DNA. I know. (sighs) Additionally, the suitcase was destroyed in 1986. And witness statements over Why? time have disappeared from the police files. Um oh, God. as the original copy of the Ruby out that they found has since gone missing. Oh, so someone's on the inside then. As well as the autopsy reports. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so who on the force did it? Someone. Jerry Feltis. You? He's like, it's Jessica Thompson. And secret. he's like, Ha-ha-ha-ha-ha. And me.
1: No, it's probably
0: both of them. Uh maybe. Maybe they're. Teaming up. That's that's so brutal. Like that is you there's no way. So by early February nineteen forty nine, there were eight different positive, you know, quotes are on positive, mm-hmm. positive identifications of the body. And by November 1953, police relayed that they had received over two hundred and fifty identifications of the man. So over four years. So eight, everyone just was like, This I know him. Yeah.
1: I can see that everyone so knows that. So
0: there's there's a couple listed and a lot of things I could I, I read about it that, that I didn't think were important, but one of note, one a really important one, came about in 2011. Ooh! So pretty recently, actually. Freaky year. When an Adelaide woman contacted, um, Masij Henneberg, which I don't know what what's Last going night. on with her name a biological anthropologist about an ID card of someone named H.C. Reynolds that she found in her father's possessions. The card had been issued in the U.S. to foreign seamen during World War One. I. I tried to pronounce it as... Yeah. I, I tried. Yeah, you've done it. Yeah, it's not the first time you've done that. The card had been issued, it had been issued to those people during World War One, and was given to, Henne, to Henneberg, uh in October 2011 for comparison to the photo of the Somerton Man. Uh, there were anatomical similarities, such as the nose, lips, and eyes, but what stood out most was the unique shape of the ear, as well as a mole on his cheek. Henneberg believed that she could positively, positively identify the Somerton man as H.C. Reynolds. Searches were then conducted um, of the U.S. National Archives, the U.K. National Archives, and the Australian War Memorial Research Center, which failed to yield any records about this H.C. Reynolds character. Which we know is real because he had an identification card given out to these individuals that were involved. Or they could not find any information about him.
1: Or he was a spy.
0: Possible. So going back to his ears, which was noted as being um, standing out a whole lot, his specific ear shape is only possessed by one to two percent of the Caucasian population. Holy crap. So it's a very rare ear shape. Um, and in May 2009, Derek Abbott consulted with dental experts who concluded that the Somerton man had a rare genetic disorder affecting both uh, of his lateral incisors, which are teeth in your mouth, mm-hmm. or I guess where else would the teeth be, yeah. but uh, both exactly. of his lateral incisors, which only which is only present in 2% of the general population. Abbott was able to obtain a photo of Jessica Thompson's oldest son, who had the exact specific uh, exact same specific ear formation the chance of the coincidence of those two things being the same uh, among the two men is about 1 in 10 or 20 million. So that's her son. Or it's her baby daddy. It's probably her son. That's why she's probably freaking out. Well, it wouldn't match her son. Someone's a different age. Oh. Some have suggested that Robin Thompson, her oldest son with the aforementioned identical ears, may have been a child of either the Somerton man... Um, I shouldn't say either, of the Summerton man, and then was later passed off as her actual husband's son.
1: Oh, so then, okay. Then that would lead to the conspiracy theory being she had an affair, husband finds out, Mm -hmm. I'm going to kill him, he kills him.
0: Oh, maybe, I didn't think about that. Maybe. And that's Um, why
1: she freaked out when she saw the Body, because she's what like, I think, that's and we'll man. get to, I get
0: to it, because I'm almost done with all the information. Yeah. Um, Abbott. So this this Derek Abbott, who said there's a one in ten or twenty million chance that those two those things would line up, believed that this could be solved. Um, should the body be exhumed? But in October 2011, the Attorney General John Rao refused permission to exhum the body, asserting the quote. There needs to be public interest reasons that go well beyond public curiosity or broad specific interest. And since then, there have been many additional investigations, uh, you know, since then and before that, into this man that have yielded no conclusive results.
1: I just feel like the Australian people in charge just either don't care or like, they're kind of like a laid back mate. So they're like, I don't really need to do my job. Cause there's several points in this where like they could just do their job and it'd be easier, but they just don't want to do their job.
0: Or it seems like I don't want to say. It seems like that they knew how popular the case was. That they kind of this Gary Felt wrote a book about it, and it's like, but so he was trying to ride the popularity, and it seems like they're kind of bumbling. Yeah, but bit.
1: if in this situation, if it was like, there's okay.
0: Here's what I think. There's
1: one bot. Like it's not even like what I'm saying is. There's a like a line, and it's an unbreakable line, and it's the line between him and Jessica.
0: So it's kind of like, I agree. Here's what I think. I think so. We have him potentially being connected to um, World War One.
1: Yes, I think
0: he was probably served um, in World War One. Um, maybe World War Two. That that might make more sense. Um, and he. You know, he certainly maybe he was stationed in Australia or worked in that kind of part of the world, and he so he meets up with Jessica in this town of Adelaide. They have an affair, whatever that yields a bastard child. He kind of has to leave because of the war. He comes back. um, uh, He comes back to her, and she's like, "I'm not having it. My son's here. I have my husband. I can't. I can't. I, I can't work with you, or whatever. You know, I can't. We can't be together." So he just commits suicide. That wouldn't explain why everything was on, unda- was, um, why all the identification of his clothing was stripped off, unless maybe they had worked together as spies and then he, they were separated. And then when he comes back, she's like, nope, I didn't get caught. I'm still doing spy work or whatever. So I got to stay here. Okay. Alternative to that. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm here for it.
1: Better one, I think. This oh, okay. Wow. So I'm going to take most of what you said. They were together at a point. Mm-hmm. He leaves to go back to the war. She. Does not like go and get a new husband because like I'm done with you. It was more of a back then she probably thought he's out of here, he's not coming back. Yeah. So I'm moving on.
0: Moves on. Well, that's a, I, Okay, continue. Sorry, I I was gonna interject. Moves on. Well, interject then. Well, I was gonna say actually that wouldn't make mine wouldn't make sense either though, because she tried to it would be an affair, so she would have already been married to her husband at the okay. time. Well, the, yeah, the, that That child was yielded. Yeah. So I guess maybe that throws wrench into it a little bit.
1: Well, then maybe you can say that they were together. Okay. She's already a spy. So she got into the country. When you get into the country, you have to blend in, mm-hmm. meets a guy, marries said Australian man, mm-hmm. but she's also still with my man's. They have a child. He leaves, she's still a spy, but she's in there, in there, like she can't, like she has a family and stuff, which would lead to why she knows Russian and all that.
0: I, I, part of me is, let me finish. Okay, sorry, I thought you were done. He
1: comes back, husband finds out about the f- set affair, he wants to kill him, but she already knows, since she's a spy, how to kill someone the right way. She poisons him, and then that's when they start doing the whole, like, ripping the shit out and all that, to also spin it over to make it seem like someone who would crazy killed him, like another crazy person did it. You're saying she cut the tags off. She cut the tags off. That's actually good. She cuts the tags off. She does everything, all the stuff that they did with the Rubia and all that. She gives somebody a different copy of the Rubia, probably gets rid of the original one that she ripped out of. So then when they do question it, they find the other copy of the Rubiat with the thing still in there. Meanwhile, all you have to do is burn that Rubiat and it's gone. So now that eliminates the Rubiat, the one that someone got killed with, she also makes it seem like someone crazy did it, something that leads someone crazy have done it. Her husband's the one who puts him on the beach because no one's questioning it. Then that leads to why when she does find, when she does see that his body's dead, I mean, that's when she does see it. His body, ultimately, she was not expecting it to be that way, so it still kind of shocks her because they were together at one point. So it's still kind of like, wow. Or oh, maybe just remorse. She or feels a little remorse. It could be just remorse. Guilt. remorse yeah. guilt. And she probably wasn't expecting to get away with it. Even to the point where her daughter's like, "Come on, fam." <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, she's dead now. Oh, unfortunately. of course. Yeah. Her daughter is alive. I believe Gary Feltis, the lead detective, is alive. But Jessica Thompson passed away. So this
1: yeah, almost so... something
0: that we're never going to know the answer to. Also, I believe her oldest son might have died as well. Yeah. Which is so it's like, now how are we ever going to find the DNA matches? It drives me nuts that the, the uh, what what I say, attorney general or whatever, yeah. was like, well, we can't exhume the body because there's not enough reason for us to do it i'm like uh to find his identity isn't that a big enough reason so like i said she gives a fake she gives the another
1: copy of the rubia because it seems like the ruby telecommon. hella common
0: i'm gonna look it up while she, you're talking yeah
1: about. she gives the rubia to another person i mean to the person who she said she gave it to it's a fake it's a fake out because they're gonna find that rubia because she probably thought they're gonna find it They're going to look to it. It's not going to be there. I'm going to burn the one that I have, make it look like a crazy person did a bunch of stuff. And her and her husband could have tag teamed it. And that's how they got away with the. And then they probably already know that Australians, like, I guess, Australian police back then were terrible at their jobs. So she was like, they're not going to go this deep into it. And they're probably going to feel like he's not Australian, so it's fine. Because you know that was a feeling back then. If you weren't from said country, it's like, oh, well, well, look the other way, you know. So that's what I'm thinking.
0: Um, I'm trying to find how famous. It has a very lengthy Wikipedia entry, so I would assume it has a, popul- a relatively popular text. Because if the Rubiat's popular, then it's easily
1: that she could have gave them a second one.
0: Yeah, I, I I would agree. Let's see, English. Uh, it's an old book. It's a classical text, so it's I would say it's relatively easy to find.
1: So she could have easily gave them another copy of the Rubaiyat to that guy who they go to find. Because that's so easy. Like if I'm if I'm doing this, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give said Tom a copy of it, a different copy. I'm gonna say, oh, I gave mine to Tom. And then they'll go find you And they'll be like And Tom doesn't know That I killed someone So he goes to Then they go to the back And they're like Oh okay This is like I kind of eliminate you
0: Well the thing is That she gave her copy Of the Rubia To the lieutenant uh, Years before So she'd have to Really be Thinking ahead Which if she was a spy Maybe she was just like Playing Ten steps ahead
1: Question two If she's a spy What if my man Was a spy too well, yeah, maybe. He could have been a spy and she's to look, look, Steve, just say I gave it to you years ahead, dude.
0: Oh, you're saying the lieutenant may have been a spy as yeah, well? Yeah, like just look,
1: man, just give it. say I gave it to you years or ahead. Or she could
0: just be like, hey, just say it because yes. I would like it if you did that because otherwise I'm going to get in trouble.
1: And if I don't, and if you don't say this, you're going to be next. <laughs> and he was like, oh, she means it. So then he was like, screw it. This is another one of those cases where it always seems like with, like, cases like this that it could have been, like, an easy, like, open and close case,
0: but everyone who's, like, in control of it
1: was just being stupid.
0: Well, all three police officers in Australia had no idea what they were doing.
1: Yeah, like, they just feel like it's like they're new and they weren't expecting this and they're just stupid about it. Yeah. Because, like, if it was me, she would already be in jail. Like, this would have been open and shut. Like, it would have been the easiest... Ca- I would have been like, Whoa, what an easy Saturday. Maybe it's like one
0: of those things where you're like, I know you did it, but I just can't I have proof that you did it, unfortunately. It's like, well, it's like the... If you present, The OJ
1: Simpson thing. I'm going to say this to you, Tom. Where you're like, well, OJ was obvious, different.
0: Is, do you think so?
1: It was different.
0: How so? Oh,
1: Jesus, I don't want to deep dive into OJ right now. It was only different because of...
0: You're saying he didn't do it?
1: No, I'm saying OJ was different. OJ did that. But yeah, I'm that's what I'm saying. It's, it's saying. only different in that case is because OJ had the best team ever. Yeah, I guess so. This woman would not have the best team ever. And you could easily... you think if I present this case to you with all that to any jury, they're going to be like, nah, No They're going to be like, You're hiding something. Yeah, and we especially, need to know what it especially is. Especially in post-World War II... Where everybody was freaking
0: out about spies And the Red Scare and Yes, all this that is a
1: lot She would be in jail All they wanted to say is She likes communism
0: Yeah and then they Domino like, effect And then everyone
1: would be like GASP!
0: Jail Containment
1: Yes, like this would be an easy one So what happened?
0: Just bad, just bad police officers? Oh, ter-
1: or You or, gotta kind of think Or Which leads me to why I don't think it was bad police officers I think one of them was one of them was a spy too.
0: Here's maybe it's kind of like this where if you're from like a small town, which I feel like a lot of Australian towns are not huge. Yeah, like aside from like the
1: Melbourne and in, Sydney.
0: Yeah, um, they're they're pretty small. Like I've never heard of Glen Glen Elg or whatever. Yeah. So maybe it's like they deal with like. You know like speeding tickets Yeah and then One big case happens this huge like Cryptographed mystery arises And they're like We have absolutely no idea How to handle this That's usually what happens With cases like that So let's make a cast Of his body I guess I don't know Maybe that's the thing to do (laughs) That's usually what
1: happens With cases like Like starting Like killings like this Like if it happens In a small town Like it would be like We've never dealt With this before So, So Then everyone just Falls apart
0: You think that he was killed Definitely and you think it was Jessica Thompson? Yes. I think... Or husband. I think that is not an unreasonable... I think either she killed him or her husband or that he committed suicide as a direct result of his relationship with her.
1: Yes. Like, she's responsible in some way.
0: I guess we'll never know, though, unfortunately.
1: I mean, no. But, yeah. No. He She, she did that shit. <laughs> like she,
0: she did that. Alright, you have anything else to say about this? Uh not
1: really. Like like I said. Gotta cops gotta do one. better. Yeah, cops gotta do better, man. Out here.
0: Yeah, well I mean I guess it's 1940. This they're, they're so disadvantaged technologically.
1: I guess. But like you can't like ride that way you can only ride that for so long. Like there were so many other cases that were getting solved around this time. But it it was like I guess this is the perfect case at the perfect place at the perfect time maybe that's how she wanted it and it could it was a perfect storm i don't know if a case like this could have happened any place else it would have been locked and shut but since it happened at the one of the dumbest police uh, offices i've ever heard of that's like when someone's that's like when you throw away a copy of the uh the moon landing oh, like you yeah, just get exactly. water on it like it's like you don't that's exactly just get, what I thought of. that's what i'm saying you don't just out of nowhere lose an autopsy and all like you don't lose all of this that's gonna be i'm gonna tell you now folks police being dumb is a common threat in everything
0: but unfortunately it's like one of those things where they make a mistake and like you know mess up a little bit of evidence that like totally kills the whole case yep
1: i don't know but yeah
0: that's all i have to say like all right that's all my research i have um glad to be back. Do you want to give them a little tease for what next week will be that you're going to host?
1: Oh, yeah. So what me and Tom are doing is we're a lead host. Yeah, me and Tom are rotating lead host every week on something. So next week, I'm going to take over. You might be thinking, maybe he's going to do like a continuation of his stuff he does. No. (laughs) I heard
0: you were going to do cartoon conspiracy theories. No, I'm not.
1: (laughs) Have you ever heard of a person named The Pope? No Well he's like He's like the Yeah he's in control Of the religion over there
0: Oh And
1: Italy and stuff like that Oh
0: I know what you mean Have you ever heard of a that place pope Yeah have you ever gotcha. heard of
1: Of the place Called the Vatican
0: Yeah I have
1: So It's in a lot of horror movies Yeah well, <laughs> I don't know why <laughs> But Well maybe We'll talk about why Because In the Vatican There's this thing called The secret archives And you might be wondering What's that about gonna find out next week because next week our episode is on the vatican secret archive
0: i'm sure the vatican has lots of secrets
1: and those archives that you can't see unless you're the pope so if you become the pope let it free i don't know. become the pope just so uh, i can see those uh, archives are you catholic uh, I can be uh, i don't know <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so next week i'm gonna do the vatican secret archive so be looking out for that but uh Hey, do you want to hit him
0: with that tagline? Or are we not doing oh, that anymore? Oh,
1: yeah. No, I remember the. T- uh, yeah. So, uh, stay, stay cur- No, stay spooky, stay curious, and stay awesome. I love you all. Thanks for listening to Podcast Fifty One. Bye. Bye.